This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Informer Daily is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. At Joy 94.9, we'd like to pay our ongoing respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. This is the Informer Daily for Friday, April 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Today, an update on the COVID-19 situation. If you're feeling like having a boogie this weekend, we talked to Tristan from All the Queen's Men about their digital dance party being held Sunday afternoon. And Nicholas Kamenya-Sandry reviews Confessions of the Fox by Jordi Rosenberg. But first, this update. This is Dee Mason with Joy 94.9's COVID-19 update for Friday the 3rd of April. There are now over 1 million cases of COVID-19 worldwide and the death toll is over 51,000, according to Johns Hopkins University. 117 countries have reported outbreaks of over 100. 50 have outbreaks of over 1,000 and 7 have outbreaks of 50,000 or more. Australia's death toll is now at 26 after New South Wales authorities confirmed the death of a 74-year-old woman. The woman had acquired the virus overseas. She is the 11th person to die from COVID-19 in New South Wales. Australian disability groups are demanding action from the National Cabinet through an open letter outlining steps they believe must be taken to save the lives of people living with disabilities. These steps include ensuring supports for people with disability continue, expanding COVID-19 testing to include people with disabilities and their carers, and removing barriers to adequate health care. Disability groups feel not enough attention has been focused on people with disabilities, many of whom are at greater risk from COVID-19. The UK government is promising to increase COVID-19 testing to 100,000 tests a day by the end of April. The government has been facing criticisms for not testing frontline healthcare workers and the greater public despite the rapid increase in COVID-19 cases and deaths in the UK. Advocates are demanding immediate assistance for regional commercial newspapers from the federal government as a growing number of them are being forced to shut down. The closure of communities due to COVID-19 has seen advertising money dry up, creating revenue loss that regional papers can't cope with. Concerns have been raised by human rights groups and legal scholars over emergency laws being enacted to stop COVID-19, which could be used by governments to gain more power. Many of the new laws coming into place across the world don't have sunset clauses, meaning it will be up to the governments to willingly let go of their new powers once the pandemic is over. There have also been concerns over humanitarian aid from Russia being used as leverage to loosen sanctions. Same-sex attracted men in the United States can now donate blood once three months have passed since their last sexual contact with another man. The previous limit of 12 months has been scrapped to allow more people to donate. The FDA says it's vital for those who can donate blood to donate as COVID-19 has shrunk America's blood supply. The 12-month deferral period for women who have had sex with same-sex attracted men has also been reduced to three months. 
Peru is trying to slow the spread of COVID-19 by designating days people are allowed out of their homes and dividing them by gender. Men will be allowed outside on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Women can go out Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays and everyone must stay in their homes on Sundays. Queensland border is closed and people are reportedly being denied entry and turned back. Only people with the necessary permit are being allowed across, but even some permit holders are being turned around if their reason for travelling isn't deemed essential. And Western Australia will be implementing a hard border on midnight on Sunday, meaning all non-essential travellers will be turned away if they try entering the state, even if they are from Western Australia. Premier Mark McGowan said the move will effectively turn Western Australia into its own country. Western Australians wishing to return home are being advised to do so immediately. You're listening to The Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. All the Queen's Men, a social dance club for LGBTIQA plus people, allies, friends, etc., have been holding monthly dances for a while in Melbourne. But in lockdown, they've had to adapt. I spoke with Tristan Meacham this morning from All the Queen's Men. Beck and I um, first collaborated 10 years ago on a project called Fun Run, um, which is an All the Queen's Men work that has been touring Australia and internationally for the last 10 years. It's a wonderful community celebration, a big performance spectacle in which I run a marathon on a treadmill over the course of five hours and hundreds of people from the local community perform in front of me on stage. And what, what are they performing? So um, it's a curation of um, local sporting and um, athlete groups, community groups, mm-hmm. um, and they perform um, physical um, dance routines, um, sports routines, essentially um, becoming a portrait of the city. As I get more and more tired, I'm not a professional marathon runner, and keep telling the original story of Phidippides, the performances get larger and larger and more <laughs> wild and crazy. Um, and it really becomes a wonderful relationship between a community that's able to will an in- individual over um, uh, a, a significant feat of endurance. Mm. And you've also been doing uh, events in Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. So for um, the last five years, um, all the Queen's men have been running the LGBTI Elders Dance Club, which is um, a monthly dance um, event that supports rainbow elders, but also has become a real hit um, across the rainbow and allied community. So although it's absolutely a safe space that prioritises um, the elders experience um, what's been really fantastic is that many more people are coming to to this event um, it's been running at the Melbourne Spiegel tent for the last number of years um, in support of, with city of Yarra um, and the Victorian seniors festival um, it's a it's a monthly event it's about making sure that we turn up every every month come rain or shine yeah um, to support um, and build community often for a lot of people who don't necessarily have a lot of community around um, and this is a really wonderful opportunity to have a celebration to have a glass of champagne to have a chat with someone and also a wonderful dance as well 
Mm. But obviously with um, the recent um, uh, situation in terms of um, socially distancing or, or physically distancing um, around the um, coronavirus pandemic, um, we had to cancel the event um, last month, uh, which was a, a real um, disappointing um, action, but obviously one that was um, very important to follow with health warnings and and. and, and government bodies in in terms of um, social gatherings. Yeah. But we were very um, aware that we still wanted to be able to try and provide some opportunity for our community, this, this, this wonderful community, to come together. And so we've shifted the form slightly to an online um, capacity, um, rebranding the event uh, to something called Digital Dance Club which is now a fortnightly event that um, people can log on to uh, their computer or other device, um, to, uh, click onto a Zoom link, which is an online video conferencing platform. And um, on Sunday afternoons, every fortnight, we'll be having the same sort of event <laughs> um, with performances and dance routines. But this, uh, the difference is that everyone remains in the safety of their own house and not have to leave yep. um, uh, uh, and, and, and still able to enjoy and connect. Mm. Um, we tested the very first event um, a fortnight ago, which was really fantastic. We had over 40 people, a lot of people from around the world as well, um, and uh, we also had special guest Ro Allen, the Commissioner mm. for Gender and Sexuality with the Victorian State Government. I think the thing that was really fantastic about it was that there was real, a real need for people to connect during this time. And obviously, the more um, physical distancing that um, we're, we're facing, still um, people still need some human connection as well. And so this Definitely. is really an opportunity for people to see each other and to connect and still have a really enjoyable time. There's performances. There's lip syncs, there's dancing that is both, um, you know, um, instructional dance as well as um, just freestyle dance. And we always feature um, a special guest to have a conversation with some of the elders as well. Mm. I think the important thing as well is that it's for the whole Rainbow and Allied community now. So mm. we really do welcome everyone. And because it's now an online platform, people can really join from obviously all around Victoria, but also all around Australia and around the world as yep. well. And when you're talking about elders, um, what sort of group is that? Well, um, we um, consider um, any, you know, the, the, what we have now decided is that everyone can join our events, but yep. we have certainly been wanting to make sure that a space is prioritised for older members of the community, um, acknowledging that people identify um, as older um, on their own terms <laughs> um, and when they'd like to do that as well. The Victorian state government suggested that an, an elder was 65 and above, but mm. um, at our dance clubs we have people ranging from, you know, 18 right up to 88. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're actually creating a really um, intergenerational space for everyone to connect so yep. that younger members of our community are listening to people that have lived through experiences and learned from that and then can obviously um, share those experiences together. And I think that's the exciting thing around um, the project. Mm. But obviously, you know, the, the, the music and the um, experience is definitely catered for those people that are um, have lived a life <laughs> um, 
but also that all of those people have very, very different experiences. Some people have been out and proud for a long time, for many, many years, decades. Other people um, are just coming out and, and so use the opportunity of, of uh, coming to dance club as this sort of one public outing, if, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we want to maintain that this is definitely a safe space for everyone to come together and, and, and be who they want to be. Yep. Thinking of that as well, I guess we've really thought about that with Digital Dance Club as well. So there are video, it is a video conferencing call, but you can still call in without showing your face. So you simply just turn off your video screen and you'll still have anonymity and safety in that regard as well. But you'll still be able to see us enjoying ourselves and listen to the whole experience as well. So there is that opportunity to be able to still, um, you know, um, we're we're still being conscious of everyone's experience and and, and hoping that the event caters for that as well. Mm. And so what sort of music do you play and what are some of your classic uh, bangers that really go off with the the attendees? Yeah, really good question. We have everything. So um, a lot of people are really proficient social dancers. So we do tangos and cha-cha-chas and waltzes um, that always go well. We all usually in, in um, dance club when we're in person, we always try to do a progressive so that everyone can have a chat and and meet together. Sometimes we do line dances, <laughs> and let's be honest, we always do the nut bush, um, which um, we didn't realise um, is an Australian dance specific to, to Australia as well. But not many other people know the nut bush, um, so that usually features. Yeah, we I, have some I know the song, but I didn't know that people did it at weddings until I moved. Yeah, here. It's, you know, exactly. It's a head scratcher. <laughs> it's, it's very specific here so we always do that and we also ha- always have a freestyle section so everything from an argentine tango to a sure chair um singing you know, more believe or um last week i did a lip sync to bet midlers from a distance which i thought was pretty funny considering the context that we're in mm. um we take we take music requests so we have everything from you know the disco era to right back to the 1920s as well it's as eclectic uh, the music tastes are as eclectic as the people that, that come along and um we are always responsive and open to people suggesting the type of music that they'd like to boogie to what time does the event start this weekend bearing in mind that our clocks change on sunday in most of the country oh, good to know <laughs> i better make sure that i check that as well goodness me i could have rocked up uh, late to the event myself. Um, Digital Dance Club is now running every fortnightly, mm-hmm. uh, every fortnight, uh, Sunday afternoons from 2 p.m., usually from 2 till 3.30. So Sunday the 5th of April, this coming Sunday, is our next dance event. Um, and um, to get all of the information around how you can log on, um, it's probably best to go to our website, allthequeensmen.net, and then search for the Digital Dance Club project. Mm. We've listed all of the sign-on details, um, uh, how to click on to uh, Zoom and learn from that. And there are also some contact details if you're struggling with technology. We know a lot of people don't necessarily know how to use that. So we're able to support people in that as well. Um, or sign up to our mailing list as well on the website and we'll be sending information out there as well.
Tina Turner singing Nutbush City Limits on her Tina Live in Europe album, which is an amazing LP. As for all the Queen's men, we've got a link on the Informer page, which is joy.org.au slash theinformer. And you're listening to us on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Along with digital dances, it's a great time to read something different. Nicholas Kamenyar-Sandry joins me to discuss a really interesting recent novel. Here he is. The first novel I'd like to recommend is Confessions of the Fox by Geordie Rosenberg. Now, this is a transgender historical fiction novel. It focuses on the criminal career of Jack Shepard, who is a real historical figure. And for those of you who don't know, Jack Shepard is famous as a thief and jailbreaker from the early 18th century in London. Now, his criminal career ran from 1723 to 1724, and the reason why he's famous is that within the year, he escaped from jail four times, and this turned him into something of a folk hero, and the poor classes of London who, at that point, were witnessing the formation of what would eventually be our modern police forces sort of saw him as a symbol of being able to rise up against oppression, and that's why his story is preserved and retold and retold and so on. Now, Confessions of the Fox is a fictionalized version of that tale. In this version of the tale, Jack Shepard is actually reimagined as a transgender character. So the fictional Jack Shepard of this story is a trans man. And this is not the only liberty taken with the text. A very important character in the Jack Shepard story that is incorporated into every retelling is the character of Edgeworth Bess Lyon. Now, Edgeworth Bess is a sex worker from that era, and she is basically Jack Shepard's de facto love interest. And she still kind of fills that role in this book, except that she has a lot more agency, a lot more self-actualization, a stronger identity as a character, but she's not known as Edgeworth Bess Lyon. Instead, in this version, she's known as Bess Khan, because she is in fact a uh, biracial woman in this version of the tale. Her father was of a Southeast Asian background and migrated to England. Um, She grew up in the Fens, uh, and she herself has faced some of the um, colonizing forces that drove her from her home out in sort of this poorer area of the Fens and has wound her in London as a sex worker, which is where she meets Jack. Jack and Bess meet in the Mollies, which is another word. It's a slang of that era that refers to gay brothels. Jack starts sort of hanging around there after he runs away from indentured servitude and then you know, basically begins his transition during that time. Bess, you know, being a sex worker is obviously, you know, hangs around the brothel district, meets Jack in a brothel, and that's where they, you know, discover each other and begin falling in love over the course of the novel. The story isn't just a romance, though. There is a villain. His name is Jonathan Wilde, and a few more people might know who he is. He is the infamous thief-taker-general, which means that he was he's essentially like a police chief. So back in the 1700s and a little bit earlier, a thief taker was essentially the title of somebody who was in charge of enforcing the law. 
Jonathan Wilde, the reason why he was Thief Taker General is because he was awarded that title after proving himself to be an incredibly competent and incredibly ruthless Thief Taker, and also through squeezing out some of his competition in law enforcement at the time. It's sort of widely known at this point that Wilde was also a gang leader, so he was effectively working both sides. A typical Jonathan Wilde heist is very fun. So Jonathan Wilde, being a gang leader, was in charge of thieves, burglars, pickpockets, and so on. He would have them go out into the streets and burgle people, take either, you know, items from their pockets, items from their homes. This was an era when sort of commodity luxuries were starting to increase in commonality. People often walked around with valuables on them, and this led to a huge spike in pickpocketing, in burgling, and Jonathan Wilde was at the helm of a lot of that. You know, his burglars and pickpockets went out, stole goods, brought them back to him, and then he would take possession of them not as a gang boss but as the thief taker general and then would sell those items back to the people who originally owned them just you know taking a finder's fee essentially and that would be how he maintained his criminal enterprise and how he made his money now jack shepherd being a pickpocket was actually not under Jonathan Wilde's control, and he and Jonathan Wilde cross paths several times during both of their careers, and historically, Jack Shepard and his friends in the criminal underworld did themselves end up being one of the factors that led to the unraveling of Jonathan Wilde's empire. I won't say exactly how, because I do want you to read the book, and if you don't know the story, then, you know, it's worth going in with minimal spoilers. Uh, However, I will say that For my money, the book kind of leans into this swashbuckling style where, you know, it's got this swagger about it. You've got, you know, Jack Shepard and his girlfriend Bess Lyon or Bess Khan squaring off against this mustache twirling villain, Jonathan Wilde, who's playing both sides of the law. And meanwhile, you've got this plucky thief and his sex worker girlfriend, you know, standing up to him and saving the day through trickery and, you know, just swash swashbuckling fun. It's it's a very fun story, I will say, and so I would recommend it on that alone. But there is another layer to it. It is actually quite an academic story as well. It's very concerned with politics. It's very concerned with history. It's very concerned with a lot of LGBT themes. You might have actually picked up on this, even as I described the novel. Jack Shepard is a trans man in this novel, Bess Khan is a sex worker in this novel, and the villain Jonathan Wilde is the precursor to our modern police forces. And so there's some heavy themes in this book about the institutionalized violence of minorities, especially queer minorities, at the hands of the law and law enforcement and essentially the established order. And all of this is discussed through the novel's I would say main charm, which is the novel has a fictional editor. There is a character in the book who takes the role of editor. The story of Jack Shepard, the trans man, is actually a manuscript that this character, the editor, discovers. So the editor is named Dr. Voth, and Dr. Voth happens upon a manuscript of Jack Shepard as a trans man and Bess Khan as a biracial woman um, in his university and takes it upon himself to footnote the 
uh, novel. But he takes a bit of a gonzo approach to it, um, and he ends up turning the footnotes into a sort of a running personal diary. So it starts out strictly academic, where he's providing sources for information, and he's clarifying what old lingo and old slang means. And this ends up turning into what is actually the story of Dr. Voth and the manuscript, rather than just the story of Jack Shepard, Bess Khan, and Jonathan Wilde. And it's actually really clever how the novel makes the switch and what it does near the end to kind of, like, resolve the whole thing. And I love this aspect of it. I think it's the novel's crowning jewel, um, and I would recommend people read it to see exactly how smart this novel is and how clever it is. And the reason why I didn't lead off with this is obviously because I want to convince you that it's fun first. It is an absolutely fun swashbuckling adventure. And then at the same time, it's this thoughtful, argumentative, meditative, you know, academically referenced essay on power and history and the queer identity and the oppression of capitalism and other things like that. So I honestly recommend this book to everyone. Don't be intimidated if you haven't read any LGBT fiction before. Don't be intimidated if you haven't read any like Marxist books before. This book is very accommodating. It's an easy read, um, but it will challenge you. It has an agenda. It is political, but I think it's well worth the read. Thanks for that, Nick. It sounds really interesting. Confessions of the Fox is available widely and also as an ebook. That's it for us this week. Thanks to everyone at Joy94.9 and the Community Radio Network for their production help this week. We'll be back on Monday. I'm your host, Arian Potts, saying mahalo. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.